5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. edition uh patrick johnson show get you to the weekend version we made it coming up uh we'll talk ncaa tournament bubble and uh, more patrick stevens bracketology from the washington post discourse at d1 source on twitter but discourse is how it's pronounced pat patrick corrected me on that um and uh, then we've got uh, Nikki Novak Fandango. We're going to hear from some of the comments Q Tucker made yesterday, plus some news regarding the NCHSAA. We also have for you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, some uh, highlight, well, not highlights, but uh, audio and the recap last night. Uh, some thoughts from ECU's loss in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Pirates drop a 10-point decision where they could never really get going on offense to UCF. 12 straight defeat to the Knights in that series. In fact, let's uh, get it started. Our Pirate Report. Here we go. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Yes, it does seem like my levels are all over the place. Yes, yes, it does. All right, uh, welcome in, everybody. Uh, Pirate Report, Patrick Johnson Show here. ECU dropping a uh, decision last night to finish the season 8-11 and 11 as they lose out in Fort Worth to the uh, UCF Golden Knights. 11 seed losing to a 6 seed there. Uh, let us uh, get into some of the post-game audio and analysis. Pirates go 35 minutes, 34 and a half minutes, I think it was, but uh, they get into the 35th minute of the game before they make a three. You just can't do that in this day and age of college basketball. You just you can't. Uh, but I think that just showed a lot of the, the, the weaknesses right now in this Pirate basketball program. And they've got a big reset quite potentially coming up in uh, what would be uh, Joe Dooley's second go-around and uh, third season. So, I mean, it, it's... It's something. Okay, uh, let us start. Jaden Gardner uh, addressing the media with uh, some thoughts uh, after the game. The big issue last night was uh, the Pirates could just never really get into any kind of rhythm, as I mentioned. Uh, Jaden Gardner asked about that in the post game. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough one. Uh, we couldn't get in a rhythm all night. Uh, we made some strides here and there, but um, they really punched us in the mouth. Uh, throughout the whole game and credit to them and their game plan. But yeah, we, we just a little, a little off tonight, a little off kilter. A question uh, to Jaden Gardner about where he thinks the pirate basketball program is headed and where it needs to go as he heads into what will be a senior season for him. Just got to have better perimeter shooting, um, getting in the gym more. Um, just got to get better uh, mentally and physically and just uh, really just be a student of the game. 
Jaden Gardner asked about what the atmosphere in the locker room or what the mood in the locker room, I think more appropriately, uh, was like following a tough defeat to the Golden Knights. I mean, we had some seniors um, and some senior walk-ons, and it, it was very emotional. Um, nobody, like you said, no one wants their season to end, uh, be a game, but just got to console those guys and um, just thank, thank them for all they've done for the program because uh, they've done a tremendous part. Jaden Gardner, he did score 17 to lead ECU, but he was bottled up, particularly in the first half, only found uh, four shots. Didn't help that the Pirates could not knock down any threes. Uh, Jaden Gardner asked about how UCF defended him. Um, just a little bit of everything, just timing. Um, uh, I had some looks that um, that I could have got from my teammates, but they made they made good uh, plays throughout the night. Um, and just credit to them. They, they've been doing uh, – uh, uh, Coach Dawkins, he does a really good job of scheming for me. And uh, I was able to I was able to be effective in the second half. Uh, we got some good looks, but uh, yeah. So just credit to their defensive scheme on me. Your working class hero, uh, yours truly, plucky upstart reporter, asking Jaden Gardner in the post game last night. You know, and this is my thought. I, I just seemed to me that after this second COVID delay, the Pirates never could get out of the starters starter blocks. They had played obviously well enough and, and started to come around. They beat Houston. They played uh, SMU and Memphis on the road quite tough, uh, but came up empty in those last two. But it just seemed like this time around, the Pirates never were able to get going. Uh, besides, like, our non-conference, um, after we came back from uh, Chris's break, we haven't been in a rhythm at all during the second half of the season. Um, but it's not we can control. I mean, we're going through a pandemic, so we just got to do what we got to do. Teams are still coming out of pauses and still playing well. So we just have to be able to adjust to that, and this will be a learning experience for how to deal with this next uh, next season. Jaden Gardner was asked about uh, how trying this year was and uh, all the sacrifices that he and his teammates had to make in order to uh, play basketball this season. It's it's tough for everybody. So I'm gonna speak for myself. I mean, I'm a te- I'm a selfless guy. I'm a team first guy. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jeopardize uh, my teammates or our season by going out. But uh, things happen. Um, so, I mean, people catch COVID from the court. So if, if you catch it from the court, you, you can't really help it. But it's just a mental thing and a mental aspect. And then sometimes it's draining. It's draining on you. And um, I feel for all the student athletes, this is just a very draining season. Uh, you don't know when you're going to play games. Uh, it could get canceled left and right. You could be on pause, not doing anything, can't play, can't play basketball. So uh, I just speak I just speak to, like, I understand any student athlete going through stuff, and we just got to be there for them as as teammates and brothers. All right, then Joe Dooley uh, taking the Zoom podium uh, afterwards uh, following uh, his third year and his second tenure back in Greenville. Uh, and the question was asked about UCF taking an early uh, lead, taking control early, and then uh, kind of keeping the Pirates at arm's length throughout the rest of the uh, night. Uh, Joe Dooley, uh, with his thoughts on how his Pirates performed, in the opening round loss, CCU now, by the way, two and six in the American tournament all time uh, after their sixth loss in this uh, event last night to UCF by 10. Uh, I, I, th- I thought we were awful. I mean, we didn't play well. I thought they played really well, got off to a good start. Uh, hurt us with some, you know, our ball screen. We hadn't given up that many layups off a of ball screen defense in a while, and they, they bothered us early with ball screen. And then the second half, they just punished us inside with post play. All right, Joe was asked about uh, UCF winning their 12th straight over the Pirates third time this year and uh, the second time within the span of eight days that they defeated the Pirates. Uh, was this a mental thing or just a bad matchup for his program right now? 
I think it's been a bad matchup. I mean, I thought, you know, our first year they hit with, with Taco and, Jai and Aubrey Dawkins and all those guys had a lot of experienced guys. And now, uh, you know, I, I do think Mahan and, and obviously when they took Perry, uh, they've stayed old and, you know, got old and stay old. And I think they've guys have developed and obviously Reynolds and, you know, Reynolds, although he's a freshman, played really well against us, you know, both games and uh, Diggs played really well against us. So I, I think it's been a matchup. As, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't imagine that any of our guys even know about the streak, to tell you the truth. Ask Joe, I did about uh, the way that UCF, especially the first half, put the clamps on Jaden Gardner and uh, didn't help that he had no room to, ne to negotiate or move because the pirate perimeter game was non-existent. Uh, does one of those things beget the other or was one exacerbated, in this case, Jaden not being able to get off early because the three-point shooting was not there? Well, the court's going to get short every time you don't make threes. I mean, people are just going to shrink the court on you, and they did. Um, you know, we didn't get to the free throw line as much as we had been recently. But, uh, you know, when you're not making threes, you're, it's going to shrink the court. And that's what they did. All right. Joe was asked uh, about uh, just what his players kind of had to go through this year, what uh, the program had to go through this year. This was kind of that universal question, the same that was asked of Jaden about the sacrifices that all the student athletes had to make in order to, to play basketball this season. Uh, this was Joe Dooley, Pirate head coach, responding to that question. First of all, we're not – frontline responders so it's not like we're doing anything you know overly heroic but i do think that these guys and young ladies have been unbelievably uh vigilant i think they've done an unbelievable job trying to do what they want to do which is play basketball and uh, a lot of sacrifice on their part you know i'm proud of our guys i'm sure that every other coach is proud of their young young ladies and young men also and it's it's been unique for everybody uh, as a society but uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the sacrifices that made, they've made in order to play the game they love. Coach Dooley asked, uh, just turning around and playing somebody you played a couple of games ago and then playing him in the first game of the conference tournament have any impact on the outcome? Familiarity, we obviously, you know, had, you know, the scouting program. We just saw him a week ago Thursday, so I think that we, uh, you know, we, we or a week ago. So I do, I do think that, uh, you know, you have a little bit more familiarity, personnel. Uh, you know, they tweaked a couple of things. We tweaked a couple of things, but I – um, I don't think there's much difference, to tell you the truth at all, but it's it does make scattering for a little bit quicker. And then Joe asked about uh, what the future of the Pirate basketball program will look like. I think both. We do need to keep it to continue to upgrade talent, I think, like every other button. I do think, you know, I watched, I looked through game notes, and I, I believe, if I'm not wrong, you know, when Central Florida shut down for a little bit, they lost six of seven coming out of, when they came out of pause. So it, it, there's no telling how your team can respond. We, you know, we, I, I, you know, after these deals, there's no, you know, book that you can read or there's no, you know, manual to follow. But uh, I, do, I do think that, um, you know, we'll continue. We do need to continue to upgrade our talent. We need to develop the young guys that we have in the program and, and, and try to get better. So certainly a disappointing end to a season that had some real moments of promise. You know, as Jaden Gardner said there, I think when you start the season and, and look, they beat, Charlotte on the road, that was a really good opening season win. Uh, but even then, COVID started to impact things. They lost the event down in Florida. They were going to play Belmont Abbey. That game goes away. Uh, you see them beat JMU, who ended up winning the Colonial. Wilmington, who's got a new head coach, is going to bring an exciting style there. And this was before the Seahawks had all of their health issues. So those were three good wins for the Pirate program. And... Even early on, uh, some good wins for this team uh, and some good games for this team early on in conference. I, the Houston win is certainly the hang-your-hat win. It was Joe's 200th career win. That's how many he's got now as uh, he'll enter next season. 
but it is uh, most certainly, in my estimation, uh, a little bit of a do-over again. I mean, I, I think you can look at this roster and not believe that they were not last night at a talent-deficient situation. I know uh, Baruti played in the game last night, but Baruti, I mean, he, he looked like a guy who'd been out for a number of games. And that's not his fault. He was sick. It's not. Uh, you know, Coleman is going to be interesting. I think there's a guy you got to make a decision on. Um, certainly not having Pig and what Pig can bring in when he gets hot, you know, certainly is, is another thing. Uh, you know, I, I just, just, just a couple of my observations that I'm just a guy. I certainly think, again, we just can't have this mode of we're going to pat the Pirate basketball team on the head and say, there, there, guys, had a boy, go get him. And we got to start treating it as a serious deal. Um, it's a league that is going to get better. It's a league that's going to get back to more than just being on the bubble with a couple of teams. It's, it's a league that could in basketball and should in basketball get back to multiple uh, bids. And I think it's a four or five bid league when it is running really well. It should be a minimum three to four bid league each year, but you could get a handful in each year uh, when uh, when you got teams that are playing well. That means you get a couple more in the NIT. And look, that's that's a logical step for this program, trying to figure out a way to get to the NIT. You've got Jaden Gardner. Now, Jaden's a fabulous player, a great leader, a fabulous motor, but you've got to have some guys to, to either help Jaden or even make Jaden the, the second or, or third guy behind a, a star player. Does that mean you're going to get somebody who's a one and done? Probably not. But there are guys that could come in. This has got to be a developmental program. And I think a lot of the developmental aspects, particularly for the big guys, and even for guys like Tristan Newton this year, uh, were stymied because of everything, just not having that consistency. I I do think COVID really impacted this team. And I I think we say that, but I've really realized that in the last several uh, days and last couple of weeks. So, you know, there have been great strides made. The locker room is more state-of-the-art. And there's just things like that that you do have to do to to make the program on par. I mean, there's some great arenas that this team uh, plays in, in conference. And there's some programs that put a lot of resource into basketball. And I get it, football's the big deal. Trust me, I do get it. But basketball has great potential. And it, it should be the way the everybody in the American views it. It's a way for the league to make some additional money in the NCAA tournament. It could be a team that, or a league that gets multiple teams and beyond just two, and everybody else on the outside of the bubble looking in. We're going to talk to Patrick Stevens about the Americans' chances to get more than just a, a couple of teams in the postseason and what has to be done to do that with the NCAA tournament. We'll see. But uh, I, I just, there's going to, it's going to be interesting. The, the transfer, I mean, there's a handful of guys now in the Wilmington program in the transfer portal, including uh, Amaji Dodd, the kid from Green Central. So you've got a way to build your program, but, I mean, it also could hamper the program. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Who's going to come back? I mean, certainly I think some senior guys may not be back, but there might be some that will. And this this is, I mean, it's still going to take a little time. The thing about it is this. Mike Houston, as bad as things were, Mike Houston does have some culture and some tradition and history to build upon and restore. Now he's building it in his own mo- in his own mold. Cliff Godwin uh, had a, a program rich with a lot of tradition that he's taken to the next level as far as baseball success goes. For Bill, uh, for Joe Dooley, 
this is, I mean, this is a reclamation. This is not even a reclamation. It's a total build. It's not even a rebuild. It's a build. And I think unless we realize that we've got to make sure that they have the the tools and the resources to do everything they need to do to build this. I mean, this is a culture build. This is, quite frankly, a fan base education build. This is a, a build of tradition that needs to happen. And look, that Houston win, do not understate that. That's a very, very big deal. All right, I, I, we got a lot to get to here. I, we got to get to Patrick Stevens as well. A break, we'll come back. Patrick Stevens, D1 Source, will be our guest. And uh, we'll also check in with Dickie Novak later. And uh, some interesting developments from the High School Athletic Association, all coming up Friday, Patrick Johnson Show. It's a good time. Let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, discourse at Discourse. Uh, he is the bracketologist for the Washington Post uh, and a fabulous writer, one of the very best. Uh, it is uh, Patrick Stevens joining us uh, here on the uh, Friday Before Selection Sunday. Patrick, thank you for taking a few minutes uh, with us uh, here on what has already been kind of a crazy uh, Friday. It's great to talk to you as it always is. Sure thing. Happy to be here. You know, with what's happened with Duke and, and then earlier this morning, Virginia, uh, and I don't know, really know the answer to this. I, I you would have thought I would have been a better, a little better researched on this. What is the NCAA tournament plan? Uh, obviously, they're going to have teams quarantined, but what is the, what's the big dance plan? Well, the plan is to have, from what I understand, the plan is to have um, a bunch of teams sort of on standby through Tuesday in case there are positive tests that emerge before then but but after that it's going to basically be and what i mean by that is let's say let's say a team has to bow out of the tournament that standby team will just replace them in mm-hmm. the field mm-hmm. they think of it as, as like uh you know if you have a, a you know a, a wild card in tennis or something like that or a qualifier or whatever just fill it in or whatever but it once the tournament gets started it's going to be the same situation as the acc tournament's been which is you don't have any other choice but to just advance the team that was supposed to play uh, the team that had the virus, the positive test, uh, on to the next round at that point. So does that include what we could see in the Final Four national championship game potentially? Yeah, you, 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 it, could, it could go all the way through that. Now, I do think that, that the hope would be, I think logically, that with everybody sort of bubbled up in Indianapolis for the most part, that you're the hope would be that you're not going to have things happen deeper in the into the tournament. And I think when you look back on how things happened with the NBA and the NHL and MLS uh, over the summer, uh, you had some stuff initially, and and then things basically went off without a hitch uh, toward the end of toward the you know the latter half, the latter two thirds of all of those uh, seasons, even more than that, really. Uh, so. I think there's probably an understanding that you probably that there's a good chance one or two teams will have, meet the same fate as a Duke or a or a Virginia or a North Carolina A and T, which was set to be yeah, yeah. top seed of the MEAC tournament, or or Northern Iowa last week, which had just the weirdest scenario. They beat Illinois State the last two games in the regular season, then won a seven ten game in the Missouri Valley tournament, and then had a positive test and was done. They beat the same team three games in a row to close the season, and that was that. Uh, I think those are the only four, and Charleston Southern, I believe, was was the fifth uh, team that's had to bow out of a tournament. Not although Charleston Southern wasn't in the middle of a tournament uh, because of a positive test. Boy, you, you got to think if you're Florida State, and uh, you know, a year ago, I was uh, in that transition mode between the DG show and the Adam Gold show, and, and filling in kind of 
between shows uh, on that statewide network, uh, which we air, of course, Gold Show. But I was, you know, what was really uh, unique to me is how that was happening in real time. That was a noon to three slot, and it was happening in real time. And I felt so bad. I mean, you could just look at the, the, the frustration in the kids from Florida State on their face when they are awarded the championship of the ACC and they take that traditional picture that you have, uh, you know, at the end of the tournament is normally when that photo is taken. I, I got to imagine there's a lot of frustration within the Seminoles situation now because they do get a double bye. Uh, they've got to be chomping at the bit to play UNC tonight and what's the only game of the ACC tournament. And they had a triple bye, as it turns out. They That's true. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, you got you got to think, especially coming off a, a really poor performance for them against Notre Dame in the regular season finale. Which you know the way the way this week goes, something that happened last Saturday feels like it happened two months ago. Uh, it feels like forever since Florida State's been on the floor. I'm sure it feels that way to them too. Uh, and you know what? They're probably chomping at a bit to get another shot at North Carolina after losing the Tar Heels at the Dean Dome last month in, in a game that I think really sort of solidified North Carolina's postseason credentials, which have only grown stronger ever since. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, would, I would anticipate that, you know, Florida State will have, uh, will have strength in numbers as it always does. It's interesting. You, you, think of, you think of them and going 11, 12 deep or whatever and how that should be such an advantage in an ACC tournament. Well, right now, I mean, these guys are rested. They don't even need to do that just playing two games to get it to potentially win a title. Uh, but the strength in numbers no doubt will help against the North Carolina team uh, that is playing its third game in three days, but also has about as good a front court as you could hope to have in this tournament, uh, especially with the recent emergence of Walker Kessler to complement Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks being back from his absence in the first game, uh, and Dayron Sharp. It's at D1 Source on Twitter. Discourse is how you would pronounce it. Patrick Stevens. He's with us. It's great to have him uh, along. Washington Post bracketologist uh, and is uh, about as solid a, as a guy as forecasting the field as you'll find anywhere in the uh, country. Uh, Patrick, let me ask you a little bit about uh, the UNC situation. Certainly a win tonight. In other words, the more they keep winning with kind of the way they finish the season, uh, they're only helping their cause. Where do you see them being seated uh, either, you know, if they win out, if they win tonight, if they lose, I mean, have they helped their seed dramatically enough that they're on more of an eight, nine line or maybe inside the eight line? Yeah, I think they're about there. I, I, the, the bracket that, that I just filed within the last hour, because you need the, you need the actual updated data to do it right. Um, it, I had them on the eight line, uh, and, and really being fairly close to, to being able to move up to the seven line as well. Uh, I, I think that that might be about how far they can get um, overall. I mean, they don't have a ton of high-end triumphs. The Virginia Tech victory, I believe, was their third quadrant one victory uh, of the season. But if you combine quadrant one and quadrant two, you get 11 total victories. They're 8-0 in quadrant two games. And those 11 combined victories over those two categories is at least as many as everybody except for seven teams nationally, which mm. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And when you hear those seven teams, it sounds even better. Illinois, Gonzaga, Michigan, Purdue, Alabama, Iowa, and Ohio State. Uh, out of the American, ECU just eliminated last night by UCF. Uh, they've got a game against uh, Memphis, who I think Memphis has to, in my opinion, get to the final to have a shot to, to maybe get in. It certainly helps if they win it because then they're the AQ. But if they were to get to the final, that means they beat UCF uh 
and then they knock off uh, Houston theoretically en route to getting to a, a final presumably against Wichita State in my dreamed-up scenario. Uh, does Memphis have any shot beyond getting to the finals of the American Athletic Conference Tournament? I mean, frankly, I think they need to win it. They, there just isn't a whole lot of meat to the bones there. Uh, the good thing for them is they really haven't messed up a whole lot, but, but they, they, need to, they need to do good work and a lot of good work this weekend. They might have had a little more wiggle room had they finished off that victory at, at Houston if they'd been able to pull that off on Sunday. Uh, but the buzzer beater by the Cougars did Memphis. And I do think Wichita State, um, overall, when you look at their profile, though, the worst thing that they've done is just not play very many games, and that's not something that's going to be held against them. Uh, I think as long as they don't do anything silly, they are going to be an at-large team. You're looking at a minimum of two and possibly three if you have a surprise winner uh, out of the American, I believe. But as far as at-large Memphis right now, and especially I, I, SMU are on the outside looking in in your mind. Yeah, I, I don't see it. And SMU's done even less than Memphis. Now. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay, Patrick Stevens uh, with us here. Hey, let me ask you a little bit. I, I think Syracuse is in now. They were they were bubbly. Uh, but- I, I, I think they're very borderline, and I okay. think that's, that's a coin flip. Um, you know, you start looking at them, you, you start thinking about other teams that are in that within five spots on the front side and maybe uh, one or two spots on the other side of things. We're, we're down to only a handful of teams that are still playing that have at-large, borderline at-large hopes. I, I think Mississippi is in really solid shape, uh, and they it's hard to imagine them getting left out if they lose today or beat LSU today, I should say. And even if they lose, they might be okay. Um, you've got the Mountain West teams, Utah State and Colorado State. Uh, the winner of that game tonight, I, I think, has a really good chance of nailing down an at-large. Uh, and with the potential of, of winning the, the, the conference the next day, uh, you know, you look at Syracuse, and, and Syracuse looks like a lesser version of UCLA, <laughs> which is, is an ever-so-slightly lesser version. And, and UCLA's flirting with being in, in play-in territory, I think a Mississippi victory might shove them down there. Um, so I, I think it's really, really borderline for Syracuse. They have all those chances to pick up a really high-end road or neutral victory, and they just didn't get it. Uh, their only quadrant, their quadrant one victory, uh, they got one now over North Carolina at home, and they also picked off NC State, which only does them so much good. There's not much wrong with the Orange profile. And at the end of the day, they're the sort of team you can pick and go, well, you know, they didn't screw up. And that's, that's, that's a valuable thing, uh, especially in a year where there's an extra at-large first because the Ivy League isn't playing. Right, so right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're a team that, that will certainly be in the conversation for one of those final at-large spots. At the same time, they'll be rooting for Houston to win the American or Wichita. Well, they'll, be rooting, they'll be rooting for whoever comes out of Connecticut and Creighton to win the Big East tournament, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I was going to ask you. At this point, who are are there any bid stealers that are out there that all those teams you just mentioned, uh, their fan bases, the rosters are going to be really, really nervous about watching. Is there anybody who's still alive that's a a true possible bid stealer from a from a mid major or lower league? There's there's not much left. I mean, there's only the maximum amount of carnage that can happen. And this is in a, again, a maximum scenario is five. It's anybody but Houston or Wichita out of the American. Uh, it's the Seton Hall or Georgetown winner uh, out of the Big East. Uh, they play in the semi, early semifinal tonight at the Garden. It's Nevada out of the Mountain West. 
uh, it's Oregon State in the Pac-12, and it's Mississippi State in the SEC. So it's not inconceivable that we could get to the end of the night, and the only teams that anybody really has to worry about if you're sitting there at the edge of the field are either uh, the Seton Hall Georgetown winner and whoever else besides Houston and Wichita is left in the America. It, it could be a really quiet couple of days leading into leading into Selection Sunday on that front. Gotcha. I know you uh, you know really study all the the different factors that go into determining the field, especially the at large selection. So I don't know how much attention you pay uh, to to you know what may or may not happen with the NIT, but you're you're a pretty well connected guy and and do a lot of I mean just cover a ton of things. Is the the, the NIT field's reduced if I'm not mistaken? And, it is. It's sixteen teams. Okay. Do you see are are there, are there teams that are going to be on that quote standby list that obviously you would think they'd be in the NIT? I mean, how how is that dance uh, being maneuvered? It's it's going to be interesting to see how many teams get to Sunday and say, you know what, we've had our fill with this season. Uh, we've had our fill of of all the the restrictions and protocols and, and, and it's just been a long year and we tried really hard to make the NCAA tournament and we're just we're just exhausted. So there's gonna be a sixteen team NIT in Dallas. That's the plan. And like you said, there's gonna be those standby teams and you would expect to see probably six to eight of those, those top six to eight on the outside probably taking that NIT berth on the off chance uh, that they end up in the field. But Beyond that, it, it's probably going to be teams playing in that, that that feel like they have something to gain long-term, which would be teams that feel like they've had a decent season. They've got young cores that will probably, hopefully, uh, be back the following year. I mean, NC State's actually a perfect example of that, uh, of a team that, that played well late in the season, obviously didn't get it done in Greensboro against Syracuse. But theoretically, they, they've got a group of guys that, for the most part, probably going to be back next year. Uh, again, most of that core will be back. So teams like that are probably going to be able to use the NIT as a as a springboard for next season. But it's not going to be stunning to see some teams say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. We appreciate your time greatly. Thanks so much for having me. Amazing stuff, really. Okay, uh, let us uh, go to Ben Byram. And Ben's going to update you on everything going on in the world of sports. Ben Barham here for your 94th of the game sports update. We have plenty of local high school football games tipping off tonight. Winnando Tarboro takes on Winnando Riverside. 101 Aiden Grifton battles 1-0 Washington Pampag. 101 Green Central travels to 0-2 South Lenore. 101 North Lenore hosts 1-0 Granville Central. 0-2 North Pitt travels to 0-2 South Edgecombe. 0-2 Farmville Central battles 0-2 Nash Central. We have the biggest rivalry in Greenville. As 2-0 J.H. Rose takes on 1-0 D.H. Conley. That game can be heard on our sister station 90. 7-9, Grooving Oldies. And from the NFL, the league continues to have some roster moves left and right. We start with Tom Brady signing a four-year extension with the Bucks that voids to a one-year deal. The move saves Tampa Bay $19 million in cap space. Kansas City Chiefs restructure Patrick Mahomes' contract, saving $17 million. Cam Newton is returning to New England on a one-year deal worth up to $13.6 million. The LA Chargers released former Panthers offensive lineman Trey Turner one year after their trade with Carolina. Meanwhile, another former Panthers offensive lineman in Daryl Williams Sounds a three-year extension with the Bills worth up to $28.2 million. 
Here on 94th of the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Barms. Okay, quick segment here. I uh, wanted to bring you some of the audio from Q Tucker yesterday and the High School Athletic Association. Don't think we're going to get a chance to get to that as far as the audio goes. It was interesting. That was sort of a defiant press conference yesterday, and we've got a ton of reaction to our interview with Senators Perry and Johnson as the legislature looks into the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. So the big story, and, and really this could have been announced from what I understand when they were in that press conference. Instead, they, they chose to... Uh, kind of fight back in that press conference with some uh, pre-planned bravado. But I would have announced this right off the jump here, but due to the reduction in games, the NCHSAA has suspended the endowment game concept indefinitely. Endowment games send a percentage of the gate money back to the High School Athletic Association for their endowment fund. So this is very interesting. Uh, the this is all buried. It's, it's under the guise of well, there's changes to the schedule and fewer dates next year. And when I say next year, I mean at the beginning with the next academic year. But it, uh, it they're doing away with endowment games, and I I really do believe wholeheartedly that if the state lawmakers had not started to look into the athletic association and ask questions, who knows what would have happened? You may not have had that. Uh, that be the case. And look, this will really help high schools. That's the good thing here. People are complaining about lawmakers not staying in their lane. This is going to help local high schools uh, in a time where they need help to fund their athletics because of the pandemic and, and this money staying in local athlete, uh, staying locally in athletics is a big, big deal. Trust me, folks, it really is. If you're looking for uh, the football game tonight, Rosa Conley, uh, Crosstown Showdown, it's going to be on 97.9 beginning at 6 o'clock tonight. Join Croft Massey and Coach Ronald Vincent for the call of that one. A uh, quick two-minute uh, hit here, and we'll uh, take a break and come back. Uh, Nikki Novak will join us from Fandango, plus we'll wrap up the show after these words. Pirate Baseball coming your way at 6.30 tonight. of modern technology coming to us via the video service Zoom <laughs> Fandango's Nikki Novak ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and we still could wow, get the it's theme a in world. yeah we got the theme in you know we've got a we've got a whole, we got a new budget. Actually, we didn't. We just figured this would be a good way to do this uh, because. Uh, and we can see each other when we're talking now. We can see each other while I'm giving you my reviews, and you can give me the stink eye if you don't like what I'm saying. No, well, the thing. <laughs> well, the thing I'm afraid about now that we're we're doing a Zoom at least uh, this week with this is that you'll be able to see me, and you'll think, well, he's paying no attention to what I'm saying. But in radio, we have to do different things while we're listening to. Uh, the other people talking, being a, being a great guest or colleague like yourself or your producer. So that, that's what we're looking at there. But pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I uh, know less than five movies this week. Uh, so let's get going. I want to talk about coming to America here because I'm yet to watch it. I ended up very busy last weekend with assignments. So and it's been a wild week. Uh, I'm hoping that I can kind of enjoy it Friday, uh, Saturday night or Sunday sometime. Uh, and then there's some people who have certainly loved it. There's some people who have not liked it. Uh, what say you on coming to America, Nikki Novak? 
See, here's what I do when something has mixed reviews. I always try to come from a place of understanding rather than go, well, these, this group is right or this group is right. Look, if you were if you were around, like remember the first one, you probably are going to like it because you're going to have all that nostalgia because it very much feels like no time was lost. They modernized it in a certain way, but it very much feels like the same Eddie Murphy from back then, the same Arsenio Hall, the same relationship, the type of humor, the way they land the jokes and the type of jokes like it feels very late 80s. And so you're either going to like that and you're going to feel nostalgic and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Or you're going to be like, you know what? I don't feel like it still works or I, I needed I needed more. I needed something. It's more of the same. So go into that. Go into it knowing that. I mean, it's still hilarious. I watched it going, in my opinion, I was like, oh, my gosh, I miss Eddie Murphy. I miss this kind. I didn't right. get to see him do a lot of that anymore. Right. And he picks and chooses his roles, you know, he and he's notoriously like private and you don't see him a lot. So it was great for me to see him. It also made me kind of go, wait, can we bring back the Arsenio Hall show? Because I kind of <laughs> love the guy, <laughs> you know, like he was so great in that show. And he just has such cool energy that i don't I, I would love to see him come back as a late night talk show host i you know there was we i talked to arsenio a few years ago he was rolling through north carolina and wilmington and raleigh doing some stand-up dates and this was when they were just had kind of confirmed that coming to america was going to start filming i think it got pushed back when covid may have pushed it back just a hair more i'm not sure mm-hmm. uh but this was uh, a couple of years ago and he was just so engaged he's a great interviewer but he was a, a, an yeah. extremely awesome interviewee like you know i mean you know, it's one of those. Yeah. Now he's promoting something, and I get that. But he was just awesome to to talk to. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. But they're also, and you know, when actors are like, "Oh, we're such good friends off set," and you don't, you know, whether or not you believe it, they really are best friends. Like they really text each other every day, and you feel that. Like you feel, you felt it when they did press. You felt it. You feel it in the movie. You feel like they. It's not like they had to re sort of connect. They just have that natural charisma and they really like each other. They obviously really like working together. Wesley Snipes is great in the movie as well. And Eddie Murphy's daughter is, in, you know, plays a role right. in the movie. And he's been kind of like going around doing press like the proud papa. You have Tracy Morgan also. And how can you go wrong with anything with Tracy Morgan in it? That's, that's oh, he's just awesome. Yeah. He's so edgy and awesome. I interviewed him one time and I know we have five movies to get through, so I'll tell you quick, but he's just funny. He'll play with you. No, like he came into our studio and he was so fun in that. And then as soon as the camera started working, he went like literally radio silent because he was like, I'm going to make her work for this interview. I'm not going to give her any of the jokes. So he was being so funny before we started rolling. And then he gets all quiet. I'm like, you're not doing this to me, are you? And then he, and then he was just messing with me. Right. But yeah, he, you just don't know. He's so spontaneous that you don't know what you're going to get with him. Fandango's Nikki Novak uh, joining us via Zoom uh, here to, uh, this Ooh. afternoon. Um, we have a couple for the kiddos. There's a SpongeBob movie. And then uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Tell us about both. Okay, so SpongeBob, Sponge on the Run. It's been, uh, this is a third SpongeBob movie. Now, typically in the past, they did movies via 2D animation. This is the first that's full CGI, and it shows. Not that 2D animation isn't amazing, and they haven't done a great job. But I, to be honest with you, I was never a big SpongeBob person. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just, you know, I don't have kids. I just didn't like you know, you either get into something or you don't. And sometimes, you know, you probably should be getting into something because everybody tells you it's so great. But I have to say this movie blew me away. It was so fantastic. Tom Kenny. And this is what it reminds me of too. I know we have a lot of, um, you know, big celebrities now that do animation, animated movies, they voice animated characters. 
But when you have a true voiceover artist voicing the main character, and of course he plays the snail as well. He's played other characters during the course of the series and the movies. He's so talented and he brings it to another level. That said, if you want stars, Aquafina's in it. Keanu Reeves is in it. Keanu Reeves plays like this all-wise, all-knowing sage. So he's kind of playing himself. <laughs> Snoop Dogg has a role in it. Tish, Tiffany Haddish, Danny Trejo. Like you have all the stars, but it's just... I don't know. There's something about SpongeBob, like it's next level animation. The storyline's amazing. Like I honestly think a lot of comedy and action and dramatic films could take a cue from this movie. Okay. It's just brilliantly done. It's right. good. And how about the other And one? then um, Orion, the last dragon. So that came out last weekend. So it's available. If you have Disney plus um, it's available on Disney plus and it's basically um, it's a new story for Disney. Um, and again, I know I, I I don't normally bring you movies if I don't like them. So it might sound like I rave about everything, but I truly think this is one of Disney's best animated movies. It's, it's Kelly Marie Tran stars as, as this warrior. Um, and then Aquafina plays this dragon. It's basically, basically in a land where there's one remaining dragon, the dragons have sort of sacrificed themselves in the past to save people. And she just goes on this mission to sort of save her father, save the world. But it is, spectacular your kids will love it even if you don't have kids it's like i said one of the best that disney's ever done in my opinion all right nikki that's high praise nikki novak is uh, yeah. with us here there's a new jennifer garner movie uh, tell us about that yeah so there's a lot for the kids this week and for families so this is jennifer garner and edgar ramirez edgar ramirez if you just watched the undoing with nicole kidman and hugh grant he played, you're like looking at me like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I know a lot of people did out there. So he played the husband in it, where who's, whose wife is murdered. And of course, Hugh Grant's the lead suspect in it. He was also Versace in the Versace miniseries. Mm -hmm. um, and he is one of the most fun people I've ever interviewed. And so it doesn't surprise me that he's now going over to the comedy side. So it's him and Jennifer Garner play husband and wife. And it's called Yes Day because parents might already know about this, that people are, have been doing this in quarantine where you give your kid a day where you say yes to everything within reason. I mean, you set some ground rules, but you right. sort of let it be their day. But this just goes off the rails. It kind of reminds me of Home Alone in the sense that like things go crazy and it's like a cautionary tale of like what not to do if you're a parent. But that said, you kind of live vicariously through watching them. It, it, you know, during this whole time and the fact that a lot of us aren't seeing people and having fun like we normally are able to, it just was pure escapism. It was fun. It's not the best movie. It's not going to be up for any Academy Awards, but it's totally entertaining. You're, you're, you know, if you watch it with your kids and your family, you'll probably love it. Did you say where you can get that, by the way, where that's... Uh how that's, that's netflix, netflix starting okay. today all right uh and yeah. then there's the movie Netflix rolls out a movie a week now right so that's their new thing for 2021 so all right that's their big movie this week. nikki novak from fandango is uh with us tom holland is uh the star of the movie cherry yeah so joe and anthony russo who directed avengers the highest grossing movie of all time avengers endgame this is a complete departure and they snag tom holland who we all know plays superman and he stars in this movie. It's based on a true story. Uh, Nico Walker, this guy that, you know, served in the Iraq war as a medic and came back with PTSD and ended up being addicted to opioids. And it's a it's a problem in America. And it, this is there's a personal reason why the Russo brothers wanted to attack this story. 
I'm going to be honest, if you go out there and you look at reviews, you're going to see some terrible reviews. People did not like this movie. They didn't like the way that they took it. I personally watched it. I was one of the first, I was in the first press screening. So I didn't have all the noise of whatever everybody else was saying. I came out of it going, oh, this is going to be uh, probably nominated. Tom's going to be nominated. And then all of a sudden people didn't like it. I can kind of get why there is some visually and, you know, they really go there. It's hard to watch. But Tom Holland's excellent in it. If you want to sort of see them do something totally different. And and like I said, it's based on a true story. It's pretty riveting stuff. Fandango's Nikki Novak uh, with us. This was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, for uh, We have Oscar nods coming out Monday, so we can certainly discuss that. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll catch you. I'll be up super early on Monday morning. We can talk about Oscar nominations. And then The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is Marvel's next big spinoff ah, okay. TV show. Right. Um, we'll be next weekend. So we'll talk about it the weekend after because everybody's going to be talking about this. What series. time do you have to get up for Monday for the Oscar nods? I mean, when you say you get up, well, early. I think they, yeah, I mean, the Oscar nominations come out. I think it's five 30 Pacific time. So I'll be up, you know, usually I have to be on air, like right after the nominations come out. So I have to get my hair and makeup time in before. So I'll be <laughs> up at like three 30. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty early. Okay. It's not, like yeah. one in the morning crazy early but it's still early no no but yeah. it takes me a while to wake up i always set my alarm super early so that you know I i'm you. ready to go well, <laughs> I've, I've gotten up at five the last two days and i think that's going to continue so it's uh yeah but i but i remember those 3 a.m 3 30 wake up calls oh they aren't fun you got to get used to it right oh. you get used to it and then it's your norm and then you fall asleep at eight <laughs> exactly or even earlier You're really boring to everybody else in your household right. uh nikki great to talk to you thanks for doing this uh we'll talk to you next you week too. sounds good great to have nikki novak on uh and uh, nice to catch up uh with her I, I, that sounded all right it was a little little loopy with the uh, zoom there we'll we'll work on that okay uh hey big thanks to nikki big thanks to patrick stevens being on with us it is uh, an ever-evolving uh, situation with the NCAA uh, deal and uh, the ACC tournament and all these uh, events. Uh, Going to be a wild ride. Hey, don't forget, uh, Rosie Conley, big football game. You can hear that on 97.9 coming up at the top of the hour here in Greenville. So tune in there. Uh, big thanks to Ben Byram and all the gang back at uh, Studio Control. They always do a fine job of uh, uh, making our Friday shows as fun as they are. We'll be back Monday inside the ECU Baseball Clubhouse with Cliff Godwin and a lot more reaction to Selection Sunday. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, the Bridge Show, which is an encore of our chat with Cliff from earlier in the week, ahead of Pirate Baseball in the three-game series beginning with uh, Charlotte. Patrick Johnson wishing you a great, safe, and healthy weekend.